sounds like you guys really cracked the whole case. Great job. You guys are on fire. So proud. Like you could do any better? We just brought down a group of wannabe thugs stripping down cars in the Garfield High metal shop. What? Meanwhile, you two were standing around, finger-popping each other's assholes. We're not finger-popping each other's assholes. What we're doing is getting shit done. talk about jonathan majors at all i don't really have anything to add if this is the case that's fucked uh, <laughs> yeah it's and the fact that multiple theater people have come out and said <laughs> actually makes me worried yeah yeah it's um it's not looking good for that for that man i saw on on some reddit thread that someone was like well everyone who came out against him like then put their accounts on private. And he's like, yeah, yeah, because they're like smaller theater actors who want to work again. Yeah. That's not necessarily an admission of guilt. <laughs> yeah, it's an admission of I don't want to be harassed and, you know, doxxed and all that shit. So it's um, it's weird. So I know there's like a lot of like stuff kind of floating around. I know I read some of that stuff as far as like his past coming back not necessarily i guess physical abuse but i guess like verbal possible verbal abuse possible like harsh treatment of co-workers and actors and stuff so kind of seeing like general like harassment yeah basically yeah which i don't know i hated what he wore to the oscars like i don't really (laughs) feel like i have anything to add to the conversation here yeah, I mean, his outfit was inspired by, in his words, Frederick Douglass, which... <laughs> it looks like the suit that Leonardo DiCaprio is wearing in Django Unchained. In Django, yes. <laughs> which, you know, I respect it, I guess. Uh, you don't gotta respect it. Oh, uh, well, not anymore. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's not really add, honestly. Like, it's, uh, he was a rising star, and a part of me hopes that it's not true but a part of me kind of knows that if we're going to believe women it, it includes people that we like uh so you know it's i mean it's, part of part of what i'm afraid of at this point is the idea that like if it is true that's going to validate some people's beliefs yeah you know and if it isn't true it's Someone trying to actively antagonize a black man and knowing that the country will take the bait. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation all around, man. It's <laughs> well, like uh, it reminds me. Like I know this is kind of a weird comparison, but like there was a story at one point, like five years ago, that was like Paul Simon hit his wife in a public park, and then everyone went, "Well, she was kind of a bitch," and just moved on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That tends to happen. That tends to happen, yes. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's any ambiguity here that that's kind of what's going to happen here. Yeah. You know, maybe he gets put on the Marvel back burner for a little bit. Yeah. 
hole forever a bit. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, so his his apparent trial isn't until the eighth of May. So there's a whole like five weeks, five plus weeks is going to pass before anything is really even started with this guy. I mean, also at the risk of sounding like that person, which I'm sure I will, no matter what. I care because my heart breaks for the victim, whoever the victim ends up being in this circumstance. Yeah. I can't follow another thing like this. Yes. That is in another point that I don't think people are really just considering. This was inundated. Over the weekend, there were like mad spaces about it, mad threads, mad thing pieces, and, and everything but also that- just Privately, you know what I've been dealing with. Yeah, yes, yes, I I know. Even the language I'm seeing used is, like, the same. Where there, some people are like, was he, like, driven mad by his creative genius? And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's nastiness. It's nastiness all around, man. (laughs) And someone's going to be a victim in this. And, (laughs) oh, God. Shit is crazy, man. Absolutely fucking crazy. Actually, maybe that's not the appropriate word to use, especially because how people are trying to describe the the alleged victim. But this is another thing on top of more shit. Like I said, heart is breaking for the victim in this situation. I can only imagine how hard it is to be under that kind of public scrutiny. Yeah. I also think that we often sometimes, and I, I also do this, it could be that they were both bad. Possibly it could. Like, it could be that they're both shitty people. Maybe one of them's worse than the other, but sometimes it's just that they were bad people who brought out the worst in each other. Yeah. That's possible, too. It's far too early. It's far too early to know anything. We probably won't know. Well, will we ever know 100% truth? Probably not, but at least we'll probably get as close to the truth as possible but that probably won't be it again for like another five, six plus weeks anyway. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure at some point the video will leak, whether it's during the trial or before. And then we're all going to have to watch domestic violence happen and act like it doesn't affect our psyche in any way. I don't watch these videos anymore, man. I, I, I've gone full tilt stop watching violent i don't i don't either but unfortunately on certain apps you still can't turn off autoplay video yeah i can see it doing a firestorm through through tiktok or instagram oh yeah so uh (laughs) there's really no appropriate way to segue i I cannot think of a funny there's no funny segue off of that shitty topic Uh, so I'm, i'm just gonna pivot to fucking speaking of things that aren't funny but somehow became a comedy Hold on, what movie are you talking about? I mean, Nuclear Annihilation's not funny, <laughs> but it is kind of funny. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a cowboy, the ultimate yeehaw agenda, riding an H-bomb. Target in sight. Why in hell is Major Kong? Major Kong. 
for my my shitty take. That Doctor Strange Love is not funny. No, this is a movie like Citizen Kane where I've seen it parodied so many times and like done so many times that by the time I got to it, it was less funny than I thought it was gonna be. That's a shitty take. I mean, I like it was like oh, it was four stars it was really well made, but like I've seen this movie just in the Simpsons parodying it. Oh I don't even God. watch that much Simpsons. I know exactly Homer riding down the bomb episode you're talking about. Because <laughs> with Casablanca, right? When they parody it, which is often, it's a fr- fairly frequent motif, right? They don't really cover any of the depth of the film. They just kind of cover the iconic bits. Yeah. And Citizen Kane, I think often, like once you know Rosebud... It doesn't hold up in the same way, and the big thing that they parody is Rosebud, among other things. But, you know, Citizen Kane has that problem, too, where it's like, oh, I've kind of seen it. Yeah. And this, to me, leans more towards the Citizen Kane side than towards the Casablanca side. I can see that. I appreciate the density of the jokes. The delivery, the performances are really what carried this for me. The performances and the typewriting. Yes, yes. But, like... I've seen it. I've seen The Simpsons do it. <laughs> Glee did an episode based around it. So we're coming to a point to where we are really covering movies that are pop culture, but generations removed, basically. So it's kind of filter on a filter on a filter. And we're coming to kind of a point of, are we just more satisfied with the parodies rather than the actual source material? I really liked it, and I think it's really good. But also, just because it is such a monolith, I guess I was kind of expecting more, like something. Yeah, it wasn't like side-splitting. I can definitely admit to that. Kind of waiting for it to pop up. Even The Shining, which is a movie I didn't like, but I've also seen parodied to shit, right? I was really kind of blown away by the artistry of it. Even if I was like, Jack sucks. This is taking a long time. But I was still like, I was able to get on that movie's wavelength a little bit easier. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird problem to have. And some of it is because I just don't think that there's meant to be any like clean entry point characters. There are really no straight men in the movie, except maybe the president. Yeah. Uh, In the beginning, yeah. But then he kind of turns eventually, too. I mean, it's more like he cracks under the weight. (laughs) <laughs> i mean that's that's still valid that's very valid now that said mine fear i can walk as the closing line <laughs> of a movie i think the funniest parts to me were when dr strange love became fully activated and george c scott the general we are rapidly approaching a moment of truth both for ourselves as human beings and for the life of our nation now truth is not always a pleasant thing but it is necessary now to make a choice, to choose between two admittedly regrettable, but nevertheless distinguishable post-war environments. One where you got 20 million people killed, and the other where you got 150 million people killed. You're talking about mass murder, General, not war. Mr. President, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the breaks. I will not go down in history as the greatest mass murderer since Adolf Hitler. Perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in the history books. I I really loved his performance. And apparently, his performance in the movie was, I guess, 
he thought were like outtakes. Like he was doing, he was yeah. going to play the role seriously. And Kubrick was like, yeah, let's do some, let's do a couple of takes for fun. And then he used the fun shit in the movie, which. And, and he was kind of mad about that. Yeah. He was pissed at it. Well, it's kind of a mix. So at the time people say he was pissed, but eventually George Scott, he, I guess like maybe like an autobiography or something. He like said that he, he appreciated Kubrick. So. It can be challenging, right? Because, like, you get it out of your system, and it's working, and it's working, and it's working. Great, great, great. I got there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. I did not expect to see James Earl Jones in this. I was very surprised by that. I love that he has fuck all to do. Like, he doesn't do shit. (laughs) I I think that maybe was commentary on a lot of pieces of the military. Sometimes just going along for the ride. Fuck it. How do you feel about the country pilot? Slim uh, Pickens is his name <laughs> in yeah, the real and, life. And he's, uh, what, uh, Lieutenant King Kong? Yes, Major King Kong, yes. Great name, too. I'll be honest. Okay, go for it. I wasn't sold <laughs> until he took the cowboy hat out of the safe, implying that the cowboy hat was always part of the plan. Hey, it was for Slim Pickens? It's always a part of the plan, baby. Always part of the plan. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I agree that because it has been filtered a lot, you kind of already know the beats. And I kind of was expecting the comedy to hit a little bit harder than it did, particularly in the beginning. I think Mm -hmm. the beginning, it kind of slowed rolled us. But I think eventually it all kind of came together at the end. Yeah. Because it has been a part of pop culture so so much that I am surprised that I've seen it on The Simpsons generations before I actually saw it on the actual movie itself. So, but I I did appreciate this one from Kubrick. Um, it's you know it's it's not you know eyes wide shut, but <laughs> your favorite thing ever, eyes wide shut. Apparently, um, it's well of ninety of ninety nine movies. It's in the top quadrant, I would say that at least. But actually, I'm I think Space Odyssey may, may be my favorite Kubrick actually. Hmm. But you're not too fond of Kubrick, right? I'm not. Not. I just. It's been a long time since I've been like, oh, my man Stanley. <laughs> I feel like he makes films for dudes. Oh, he's a bro director. He definitely and like, is specifically dudes who want to make you feel bad they're they're like oh so you like movies kind of people yes absolutely. obviously not all of them there are some great people who like the shining or whatever but like sometimes i can feel in kubrick's movies him like just sneering at at me (laughs) a little bit and not in a like because we're buddies and we can joke about this, right, you shithead, kind of way. In a, like, listen here, idiot, kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I And I that. think this one has it the least. Yeah. Because it's like, listen, at the end of the day, we're all fucking idiots. Which, you know, I can agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, yes, I agree with that as well, yes. But some of it was just like, I get it, but at the same time, like, it's a little bit like Tarantino, where it's like, I get it. Yeah. It's not something I gravitate towards organically. I never finished it, but I think another one of those 
the exception to where I'm just not being a bro choice was Lolita. I didn't finish it. I watched like the first half of that movie. I it's feel like a hard one to watch. I mean, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> That's why I never finished. <laughs> but I felt like he wasn't like being film bro. But that's like that's like super early Kubrick, so I feel like sometimes he does better with source material as well. Okay. Like I think Shining is not super broy. It's definitely on the broer broer side of not super broy. Yeah. But like I think that this is on the not broy side. I think Lolita is on the not broy side. Clockwork Orange, by nature of its source material, is gonna be on the bro side. Oh yeah. When he's adapting stuff, he can really let himself get in the artistry of the thing. When he's got like a couple little like parameters to work within, you know. He's better when he has an est- the established edges of the sandbox to play in. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket is definitely the broest of the bro movies for like at least like Vietnam movies. I gotta revisit Eyes Wide Shut because I think that may also maybe be a little bit exceptiony. It Tom Cruise, the character that Tom Cruise plays, he's dumb, but. <clears throat> He doesn't know that he's dumb. So I would say that's probably... That would not fall into the category of the bro movie. But it's pretty solid still. It's pretty solid. But I really liked it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was funny. I still gave it four stars. I think I liked it. I thought the suspense aspect held up really well. I didn't really realize it was a suspense movie going into it. Oh. Like, I kind of did. But I didn't really, like, know the specifics, you know? Yeah. I thought the delivery was really good, like, on most of the, the bits, even the bits that didn't land necessarily. You know, so that's all good. And it was good. It just it just didn't knock my socks off in the way I really hoped it would. No, it's understandable. I still enjoyed it and think it was good, and I'm glad I watched it. And that is probably the Kubrick movie I'm the most likely to revisit. Yeah, I gave it a four and a half. And I would say of the Kubrick movies, I would say that's the most accessible I love, like, the first half of Full Metal Jacket, but I'm a fucking sicko. Uh, so, uh, so, But you, you want to know what this movie made me think of a lot What's during that? it? What's that? Network. Oh. Oh. Made me want to watch yes. Network again. Now, Network, I think that may be one of the greatest movies ever. I recently watched a, like, two-plus-hour video essay on it. Nice. That's another movie that I didn't realize had been done to death. Yeah. But yeah. has been. It's been parodied everywhere. Much like Casablanca, when I saw it, that like never entered my biosphere. Like when I was watching it, I was so enraptured that I was like, oh, after I was like, oh, that's what they were doing here and here. But like during, I was so enthralled that my mind didn't wander to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess Not- that's what I'm looking for. If it's a movie that's been parodied to death, I want it to be like a ski. I want it to grip onto my boot, and it will not let me go. Yeah. I want to be able to click in pretty quickly. And this one just half clicked. Like, I felt secure enough that I could probably get down the mountain okay. Yeah. But I was the whole time going, ah, I didn't really, that click wasn't, like, a great, like, I, I could, uh, It took a little bit for me to buy in, to be very honest. Once I got there, I was there, but it did take a little bit of time. So I'd also like to give a shout out to the one woman in the movie. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Tracy Reed. And yes. uh, she is the daughter of Anthony Pellessier, who is one of Kubrick's big inspirations. And he, like, cast that man's daughter as, like, a whore. Whoa, was that a, she wasn't a whore. I mean, she's fucking her boss, and she's in a bikini for the whole movie. Whether or not the movie comes out right and says it, it's pretty clear that's what it thinks of her. I mean, well, it is Kubrick, so, yeah. <laughs> it is old Stanley. Oh, Stan, Stan the man. She was hot, but... Oh, man, I got the, the daughter of this guy that I respect so much. Put her in a swimsuit and just make her, like, real horny. <laughs> yeah, she was, like, begging. Any- she was basically begging for her. <laughs> Anything else? No. Nope. Again, going back to, to the general, George C. Scott, like, even when he was in his... his well, those, those are long-ass boxer shorts. Those shits look like shorts. <laughs> we talk, like, had a conversation with her about like getting in, back to her. She was in great. my mind's eye, he just took long johns and cut them at the knees. <laughs> like, they were, they were cut-off underwear. Bro, I've never seen Capri Pants boxer shorts before. That was fucking crazy. Well, initially I was like, it's a swimsuit, right? And then I was like, oh, it is not. Actually, I think I had the same thought too. I was like, so when he's gonna take off the shorts to put on his pants, I was like, oh no, those are his drawers. Oh, okay, well, there it is. The 60s long underwear agenda. Jesus. Well, I mean, when you're wearing pants made of actual wool with like that thick pleat in the front, I guess you probably can't tell that he's wearing a whole other set of pants under there. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> He's got to protect his loins. What What about second pants? Man. Now I'm just imagining, like, her trying to undress him, and they're just being, like, novelty pants, underpants, underpants, <laughs> underpants, like. You got to work to get to the Johnson. You got to work to his, get to the His legs Johnson. are actually, like, tiny little bird legs. They he just pads them out with multiple pairs of pants, which seems like a joke that might be in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if they chose to explore that direction a little bit. Yeah, they definitely could have. That actually would have been a funny gag, too, actually. Also, also big fan of the fluids conversation. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> there was so much good stuff in it, which is why I was a little disappointed it didn't grab me more. No, no, I get you. I get you. Mandrake. Yes, Dad? Have you ever seen a commie drink a glass of water? Well, yeah, I, I can't say I have, Jack. <laughs> Vodka. That's what they drink, isn't it? Never water. Well, I I believe that's what they drink, Jack, yes. On no account will a commie ever drink water, and not without good reason. Oh, uh, yes. I um, can't quite see what you're getting at. Yeah. Water. That's what I'm getting at, water. Mandrake, water is the source of all life. Seven-tenths of this Earth's surface is water. Why do you realize that... 70% of you is water? Oh, God. And as human beings, you and I need fresh, pure water to replenish our precious bodily fluids. 
beginning to understand. Yes. Mandrake. <laughs> Mandrake, have you never wondered why I drink only distilled water or rainwater and only pure grain alcohol? Well, it, it, it did occur to me, Jack, yes. Have you ever heard of a thing called fluoridation? Fluoridation of water? Uh, yes, I, I have heard of that, Jack, yes. Yes. Well, do you know what it is? No. no I, I don't know what it is now. Do you realize that fluoridation is the most monstrously conceived and dangerous communist plot we have ever had to face? This is all because he can't Get his dick hard? I mean, listen. You know, that's an important part of being a man, cat. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. Yeah, but usually a good way to do that is to remove yourself from a stressful situation, like the front line of the Cold War. <laughs> Why would I do something as smart as that, cat? Why would I remove myself from the front line of the Cold War when I can blame fluids? I hope you Googled that, too, by the way. What, fluids? No. <laughs> That would be kind of. <laughs> I want to Google fluids right now. Just, just fluids. I'm already on this Google Fiber Internet, so if I do that, Google's gonna know too much about my. The, the FBI is gonna be like, "Whoa, Holmes, what is Whoa. going on here? What is this Negro doing? Do we need to call somebody?" <laughs> Coming down the aisle, representing the Hyphen Podcast Group, they are the unbeatable team of B-Hyphen. I'm just saying, you worked yourself into a shoot, answer the question. Handsome Bane. My, my firm belief is a DDT should beat anybody. Showing mad love. Rid of me this Batman, if two go in the pink. The <laughs> novelist. And catch This is what Brock Lesnar thinks he looks like if Brock Lesnar were a beautiful woman. They are the Wrestlecast Power Did you give Withering Heights a rating? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me see. Uh, I, I clicked on the 2011 one. Uh, let me click on the 1939 one. Oh, I gave it four stars. All right. So what do you think about Withering Heights? He's make the world stop right here. Make everything stop and stand still and never move again. Make the moors never change and you and I never change. The Moors and I will never change. Don't you, Kathy? I can't. I can't. 
No matter what I ever do or say, Heathcliff, this is me now. Standing on this hill with you, this is me forever. Heathcliff, when you went away, what did you do? Where did you go? I went to Liverpool. One night I shipped for America on a brigantine going to New Orleans. We were held up by the tide and I lay all night long on the deck, thinking of you and the years and years ahead without you. And I jumped overboard and swam ashore. I think I'd have died if you hadn't. It was a well-acted but somewhat truncated version of the novel. Did you ever read the novel? Yeah, mostly. I cliff notes to the last like 30 pages because I ran out of time. How was the novel compared to the book? Well, I guess how was the movie compared to the novel? Jesus Christ. (laughs) It was good. It's a slow burn in a way that a lot of those stories are. Yeah. It fit very well with the tone of the film. It's it's very kind of dark and sad with a lot of melodrama, but like some of it might be melodrama because the story is being like told by somebody, you know, so they're kind of filling in the parts they don't know. And like mostly it's just kind of sad because it's a bunch of stupid people being vain and missing opportunities to actually like be happy together. Oh, so it does sound like the movie a lot. All right. Yeah, I mean they definitely like I when I say like truncated it, they kind of yeah. A little bit of it down, which is makes sense to me, but that's uh kind of how they they chose to do it. What did you think about the film? I really liked it. I understand why Bella and Twilight was obsessed with it and why that made me hate her. <laughs> Hilarious. That's funny. She read the book all the time in the books, but now like as a person who understands that it's like possible to appreciate things that they don't necessarily like. Yeah. Like, I totally get it. I really liked it. I thought it was well-performed. I thought it was well-acted. I thought the costumes were beautiful and really popped. I thought the cinemascape was really good. I liked looking at it. I thought Laurence Olivier was, like, really hot. Like, <laughs> I I was a little, like, oh. Um, like, I knew okay. he was hot, but, like, hot, you know? You know? <laughs> the audience has to imagine what you look like right now. <laughs> I... And and I thought it mostly worked. Like one of the things that they kind of have to rush because that's just what happens, you know, when you adapt a novel that takes place over like 30 years into a movie that takes place in 90 minutes. The brother was shitty for years. And I mean years and years. And like they definitely made him a little less shitty, I think. Really? He sounded pretty shitty to me. Yeah, but like... I remember him being worse. Okay. And maybe it's just because it was you were seeing it for longer. At one point it is implied that he is trying to sell the sister off for money kind of like deal. Jesus. I also really I just I really like I liked the cast a lot. Okay, all right. Like I think they really worked. And I think they looked cool in the way that you kind of imagine them in your head. Okay, yeah. And and I loved the costumes running across the moors. I love that they pretty much always had Kathy dressed in white. So she stuck out in the landscape. Yeah. 
once she kind of got married, she was always in white. And like, I don't know that it's one that I'd revisit over and over again. Yeah. But I, I was like, oh, all right. I found all the dialogue actually pretty riveting. I mean, you can definitely tell it was adapted from a novel. Good but, novel, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, but in, in the best way. So it, it was definitely had a lyrical quality that was pretty exceptional, I would say. And I do think the two of them, Lawrence Olivier and the co-star, well, and his his opposite co-star, Meryl Oberon. Uh, yeah, I Auburn? believe so. Auburn? Oberon, whatever. I'm not fixing that. <laughs> I thought they were like really electric together. I just couldn't stand. It really kept waffling between. Okay, do I want to be in love or do I just want to be an elitist? Ella, can you keep a secret? Ella, Edgar's asked me to marry him. Why did you tell him? I told him I'd give him my answer tomorrow. Do you love him, Miss Cathy? Yes, of course. Why? Why? That's a silly question, isn't it? No, not so silly. Why do you love him? Because he's handsome and pleasant to be with. And that's not enough. Because he'll be rich someday. And I'll be the finest lady in the county. Oh. And now tell me how you love him. I love the ground under his feet, the air above his head, and everything he touches. about Heathcliff. Oh, Heathcliff. He gets worse every day. Would degrade me to marry him. I wish she hadn't come back. Oh, it would be heaven to escape from this disorderly, comfortless place. Well, if Master Edgar and his charms and money and parties mean heaven to you, what's to keep you from taking your place among the Linton Angels? I don't think I belong in heaven, Ellen. I dreamt once I was there. I dreamt I went to heaven and that heaven didn't seem to be my home. And I broke my heart with weeping to come back to earth. The angels were so angry, they flung me out into the middle of the heath, on top of Wuthering Heights. And I woke up sobbing with joy. That's it, Ellen. I have no more business marrying Edgar Linton than I have of being in heaven. But Ellen, Ellen, what can I do? Thinking of Heathcliff. Who else? With the book and you know how much time is passing, it becomes a little bit more, okay, you know what, I need to marry this person and get out of here and survive. You know, that's really how Kathy feels. And Heathcliff feels very slighted, so he's very mean to her. And then she's upset that he was mean to her and that just pushes her into that guy's arms faster. Okay. And, you know, it's it's a lot more, like, build between stuff. Okay. And then I think Heathcliff is gone for, like, I think it's, like, five years. Like, he's gone oh. for a really long time. And then he comes back and it's, like, she immediately realizes, I'm content, but I'm not happy. Okay. And I don't know how to fix this. And it's, you know... So they don't have that piece in the movie. Well, they don't really have time. Like, how long do you think he was gone? Like a handful of years, man. Personally, the way that they were cut, I was like, he's been gone like six weeks. That's what I'm saying. Like, when I say a handful, I mean like two. (laughs) 
two and a half of the most, like... Yeah, and that's kind of a stretch. Yeah. I do appreciate, again, like, the actual... Their their dialogue. I, I did believe... I kind of talk about when I talk about, like, romance movies or rom-coms. Is this the greatest love of all or whatever? And I think they really had moments of where they really were the greatest love of all. But then I was like, no, nah, I'm trying to get this money, so... I can't really do that no more. And then, like, ten I mean, seconds later, I want to do it now. Is not the coin the greatest love of all? <laughs> I ask you. I mean, this is America, baby, so you got a point there. You got a point this there. This is feudal England, baby. Oh, uh, well, yeah, fuck, that's right, yeah. I mean, actually, that's maybe just as bad, so, so yeah. Yeah, that is maybe even more coin love. Yeah. They kept throwing around Gypsy way too much. <laughs> I get the times and all, but god damn, like, Jesus Christ. Gotta keep calling that, huh? Alright, well, it is what it is, I suppose. I mean, I would argue that at the time, that is just what they would have called him. Oh, no, because yeah. Because he yeah. is a stranger, they do not know him, and he's also got black hair, which is, you know. Yeah, he's, he's slightly tanned, yeah. He maintains color, unlike those other whites. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you know what it means? They're like, he's a gypsy. It's like, he's maybe Italian. <laughs> maybe a quarter, maybe a quarter Greek. You got some Sicilian in there running around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whatever. It's not good, but it's accurate. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a problem with things that are accurate in that kind of way. But it was kind of like, God damn. Maybe just say it once and not keep saying it. <laughs> but no, no, I, I get you. I, I, I get you. I've recently been trying to think about, like, there have been a couple of, of movies and, like, things where I've noticed that all of a sudden people are like, I don't, like, understand why it's like this. And, like, they're, you know, talking about language or whatever. I'm like, well, right, because it's a period piece and that's how it was. Yeah. It's it worse be... when they don't do it. Right. What if in Downton Abbey they were just like nice to the poor families and like it, there was no conflict, you know? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, of course, the poors, our friends, the poors. Okay, so there's no show. The whole plot of the show is Guy gets house through like technicality and will. Guy is too poor to make everybody else at house comfortable. I mean, you can't, you can't really avoid it, man. Which, I mean, again, like, I don't have a problem with that. It's it's like Malcolm X are like, these African-Americans want rights. Well, we're going to give these African-Americans all the rights they want. Like, you know, you, you just use the appropriate language. is totally fine. So, so now I get it. Well, it wasn't fine, but it's accurate. It's so. not It's not fine. But I also think that pretending it didn't happen is bad. Yeah, it's worse. It's 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 like the uh like I really appreciate the little intros that they do if you go to watch the uh, Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max or whatever, right? Where Whoopi Goldberg is sitting in front of a backdrop. <laughs> I mean, that's not actually what it is. It gives you a little context though about where the creators' brains may have been at and yeah. what was going on, and despite the film being incredibly harmful to black people. Whoopi Goldberg believes that Song of the South should be released with the appropriate context 
Because she was like, that was the first time I saw like a black man star in a film. And that part should not necessarily be undercut. And yes, it's harmful, but it's also an achievement in film. And there is space for both of those things, especially in an educational context. Yeah. It's not my place to say if I agree or not, right? Because it, it didn't really, in this case, it didn't really hurt my people. And considering that we still make harmful cinema all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Including for women, but you know, for, for pretty much everybody that's not Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. It does make you wonder, and it makes you kind of think about what is what is that, and what's comfortable, and where does that belong? Yeah. Because pretending it didn't happen is what led us to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do we love Ellen Dean, played by Floor Robeson? This woman is a whole... First of all, she's the one telling the story. So she's already holding the story together. Yeah. But she's just trying so hard the whole time. And I find it incredibly endearing. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just like, yeah, I uh, I don't know. We, it, it was bad, but... But <laughs> I tried to talk to her. And I didn't realize that she was going to kind of go off. She was def- I tried to get her into the den, but she wouldn't go to the den. She was definitely mama, however, comma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was yeah, really trying to save it. Yeah, and I think she was trying to save both of them because I think in her hearts as a romantic or maybe just someone who read the novels of the day, she knew that if they didn't find their way to each other, they were going to die. Yeah. And she was right. Between this and We're a Window... We're on a pretty good streak of cool quasi-grandmas. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think I've I've hated any movie we've really watched. No, yeah. Like, some of them have worked for me less than others. Yeah. I would say, I think this is, of the ones that we watch, Wuthering Heights is my least favorite. Just because of the the waffling, it was just kind of too much. But at the same time, there are parts of it that I genuinely do appreciate so it wasn't even like a hate watch or like i can't wait till this movie is over watch it was like okay i do want to see this out to the end so to see where everything kind of lands so yeah so yeah yeah. one that we watched and didn't cover grapes of wrath that's my favorite watch of the whole year so far of anything i've watched new so far yeah it's i mean it's Sad boy vibes, baby. But uh, of the other movies that we did actually cover, I think All About Eve is my number one, and then Some Like It Hot is number two, and then Rear Window is three for me. Yeah, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree. You did cop the um, Criterion Some Like It Hot, right? Yep. It came in already? Yeah. Fuck, they fucking slipping with me. Shit. Criterion, get this shit together. Send us some free shit. This is also uh, the AFI AFI's number one comedy of all time. Oh, nice. And I, mean, I think so, they're right. I was going to say so far, like, it's tracked. It's tracked. And uh, the number two is Tootsie. Um, I, well, through the lens of 2023, I don't know how, how well that movie holds up anymore. But I haven't, se- I haven't seen it in, like, I haven't seen Tootsie in, like, 15 or 20 years, though. 
I have never seen it, but I have also seen numerous people mention that it is specifically what TERFs claim to be afraid of. Jesus Christ. Well, and and so is some like it hot, kind of, right? The idea of like, oh, the men are going to gain access to the women's spaces. But like, Tootsie, that's what she's doing. And she's doing it on purpose, right? Because it's a spy thing. Yeah. It's deliberate. In some like it hot, it's like not malicious. Yeah. And then fantastic Mr. Fox. My shit got delivered Saturday and I totally fucking forgot about it. <laughs> but it's in my it's in my fucking rental office. It's not if it was on my doorstep, I would have got it, but fuck. I totally forgot. So my apologies, Criterion. I take that back. Yeah. 4K restoration with uncompressed mineral soundtrack. Shout out to Mineral. What's a Mineral? Um, it's it's the opposite of stereo. Mono? Yeah, it's Monaural. Oh, shout out to Mono. <laughs> Every, everybody loves Mono. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange Love is number three. I get why they would have it that high. I mean, the thing that I think about with it is like, that movie is so clean. Doctor Strange Love, the villain is the guy with the fluids. Like, it's yeah. not making fun of a group. It's not making fun of other tropes. Yeah. Like, it's just such a clean premise of, like, shit, stupid people are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, I get that in a way that, like, I think some of these, like, Blazing Saddles is number six. I, I can't do Blazing Saddles, man. I I, I just can't, I, man. I, I just cannot. The producers is number 11. And until recently, I would say that the producers did a pretty good job of being pretty clean as well because all they do is make fun of Nazis. But unfortunately, that's now like a controversial thing to do. I don't know. Oh, my God. How did we not cover the most important movie news of this week? Holy shit. We're still recording, so we can. What is that? Jonah Hill saving Kanye West's soul. Oh my god. <laughs> he saw the finger popping each other's asshole scene and was like, you know what, Jews? I am back on board. I am back in the fold. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. This guy's this guy's ridiculous. He is just ridiculous, man. And that's actually a great movie. <laughs> like that's a funny ass movie too, man. Is that your car? Yeah. What's that thing get? Ten miles to the gallon? Nah, try like seven. <laughs> what about you? Biodiesel dog. It smells like egg rolls. Yeah, it does. Runs on leftover fry oil from Hunan Palace. But we try to ride bikes when we can, global crisis and whatnot. Whatever, man. I don't care about anything. Oh, you don't care about the environment? It's kind of fucked up, man. Hey, hey, will y'all shut the hell up? I'm trying to study. <laughs> Look at him. He's trying. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually trying. What a nerd. Look at the nerd. Look at the nerd. Look at him. Look at the nerd. Who you calling the nerd, man? I'm sorry, what? Ah! Oh, <laughs> shit. Hey, are you okay, man? Hey, what the hell? Are you serious? I'll turn that gay-ass music off. You punch me because I'm gay? What? No. I... Oh, come on. That's not cool, man. That is really insensitive. I didn't punch him because he's gay. I punched him, and then he happened to turn out to be gay afterwards. I was gay when you punched me. 
in a weird way, it might have been homophobic not to punch you just because you were gay. Right. Isn't Jonah Hill the only Jewish person in that movie? Because Channing Tatum is not Jewish, right? I don't believe so. Yeah, so it was all, all Jonah Hill. I mean, I believe that Kanye said in the thing, Jonah Hill, you did this. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine being Jonah Hill and waking up to that call from your agent. I mean... Oh my god. <laughs> I gotta read this shit out loud. So I don't think Jonah ever replied, but this is what Kanye wrote in his IG. Watching Jonah Hill and 21 Jump Street maybe like Jewish people again. <laughs> no one should take anger against one or two individuals and transfer that into hatred toward millions of innocent people. No Christian can be labeled anti uh, labeled anti-Semite knowing Jesus is Jew. Thank you, Jonah Hill. I love you. <laughs> I feel like because baseball season is starting and also, you know, because Jonah Hill. Does this mean I got to watch Moneyball? Oh, that's a good watch. We should be watching I, I love Moneyball. Yeah, that is him. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, did I just, like, confuse him with, like, Zach Galifianakis or something oh, incredibly stupid? No. Oh, no. I haven't been sleeping very well, in case you can't tell that. Like, I said, yes, Jonah Hill's in Moneyball. Wait! <laughs> I I thought that my brain said wait before I said the thing out loud, and then I said the thing out loud, and wait also came out. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chin at T on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? I am gonna, I think I'm gonna go take a swim. Go for it. Uh, Have a great rest of your night. Love you. We'll talk to you next week. I love you too. We should do this again sometime. (laughs) I'm starting to notice a pattern here. Um. (laughs) All right, girl. Peace. All right. Bye. Bye.